welcome to the Travel Coach Network podcast, your weekly dose of travel coach info, inspo, and news from around the globe. Tune in to each episode to hear inspiring stories of successful travel coaches who are building their lives and business around travel, all while exploring around the world. You'll also learn all about travel coaching, setting intentions for a trip, adding meaning to travel, and how you can grow your own travel coaching business. Because remember, there is more to a travel career than just blogging and bookings. Now, join me as we reshape how and why people travel. Before we get to today's episode, we have a quick, small ask for you. In a moment, could you pause this episode, go to your favorite podcast player, and leave a review for this podcast? Even if you leave five stars and no words, we so appreciate that effort. When you leave reviews for podcasts, that helps them get discovered by the right people. So that means a future aspiring travel coach could discover this podcast because of your review. We so, so appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'll give you a second to pause this episode and do that now if you can. You back? Okay, great. Let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Travel Coach Network podcast. It is I, Sahar Rose Savar, the founder of the Travel Coach Network and the creator and instructor of the Travel Coach Certification Program. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Nadine White. She is a, quote, travel blogger by day, physician by night, end quote. Nadine has over 20 plus years of experience practicing medicine and over 10 years of experience as a travel content creator. Her award-winning travel blog called The Sophisticated Life covers affordable luxury travel, food and wine, as well as health and medical topics related to travel. Nadine was a founding member and prior board member of the Black Travel Alliance. She was an Oprah Daily Ambassador and holds a WSET Level 2 wine certification. From 2021 to 2022, Dr. White served as the travel health expert for Waterfall. In addition, Dr. Nadine White has appeared on CNN as a sought-after speaker and an Amazon best-selling author for her series of travel ebooks. In 2022, Nadine launched Culinary Travels by The Sophisticated Life. Culinary Travels will explore food and wine destinations all over the world. Dr. Nadine White, thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to hear all about all of this. You have done so much. It's a joy to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) That's a good thing. But before we dive into all of that, can you share with us, where did your love of travel stem from? You know, so my family is Jamaican. They immigrated to the United States in the 1970s. And my mother always loved to travel. From the minute she got to the United States, she didn't stop there. She just kept traveling all over the world. My great aunt and uncle opened up a travel agency, actually, in Brooklyn, New York. And so she was able to travel with them. So I grew up with her coming back from all these countries. She actually would bring me a doll back from different countries that she traveled to. And just by coincidence, I think she would go to countries like a couple years before the Olympics. So we'd be watching the Olympics and she'd say, Oh, I was there in, you know, Athens, right, you know, at that same place while they were running or she was in Barcelona right before that Olympics. And, you know, we'd be watching Jeopardy and she'd be answering all these questions, you know, partly because she just knew the answers, which was extremely smart, but also just because she traveled to all these places. So that definitely is where my first desire and inspiration came from, which is I wanted to see all these places that she always talked about. 
And in school, I just remember learning about Greek and Roman history, and I was really fascinated by that. And so, you know, Italy was the first place I went to just because I wanted to go to Rome, you know. And then I started traveling more after my training, and I started going to the places that my mom would tell me about. So yeah, that was definitely my inspiration. Unfortunately, my mom passed away, but her travels still inspire a lot of the places that I choose to go to. Yeah, I mean, that's such a common thing among these people I know for myself and I, my mom and I have worked, have been really close. We are really close. I'm an only child and she's been a single mom for the majority of my life. And I have been so grateful to be able to bring her on mm-hmm. trips with me. And those are some of our best memories. Absolutely. Um, we talk about them all the time. And, you know, to this day, she just recalls these moments that we had traveling. She's like, remember that time we went to yeah. New Zealand and we went on that boat? And, you know, it's just that's something that's so powerful about travel, um, yes. whether it's with your parents, with a friend, you know, even just your solo travels are as well, too. Was there a trip that you have in mind that really would say transformed you or highly impacted you in some way or your life? In terms of, you know, for me, my mom passed away in 2011 and I was at a low point, I would say, and I had gone through a breakup right before that. And I'd been traveling at that point internationally, but I decided to take my first solo trip. And my family was not happy about it because they were like, oh, you're fragile. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. But I crafted my own eat, pray, love trip, basically. And I was doing California. So it wasn't like I was going on, you know, far away. But at the time in 2011, you know, I mean, a lot of people were doing solo travel, but it wasn't like blasted all over the internet at that point. And so I crafted my own eat, pray, love trip in Northern California. And so... I started actually with the love portion in Carmel. I stayed in Carmel by the sea. I went to the Monterey Jazz Festival. And then I did pray in Yosemite. I just always wanted to go to Yosemite. And so I did glamping before glamping was a thing. And then I ended with eat in San Francisco. And I just like ate everything in sight. And so I spent 10 days just by myself, nurturing myself. I chose, you know, what I wanted to read. I journaled and, you know, my family, you know, had access to me, obviously, because I had my cell phone. But, you know, I rented a convertible and I just took my time. I drove to Big Sur. It was just, it was really amazing. And that was the first time I had gone away by myself and just did whatever I wanted to do. I was single. Um, You know, it was really transformational for me. And since then, I've gone on a solo trip at least once a year. Because it really gives me a chance to just get grounded, really in tune with myself. And I'm married. I travel with my family, with my, I tell people I do all types of travel. I travel with strangers. I travel on press trips. I travel with my friends, my husband, but I still need to do something for myself, you know, and that's what that trip did for me. It really provided me a lot of realizing how strong I was also because I had to do everything for myself. And what's funny is since I've been married, I got married in 2015. And two years ago when I was on a solo trip and I was going from, I spent a week in Sonoma County and I was doing everything by myself, you know, from Southern Sonoma County to North and the bags were heavy and I had all these cords because the car that I rented didn't have Apple CarPlay. And, you know, some of my clothes, just little things you wouldn't think of that my husband usually takes care of. And I thought, oh my God, why is this such a struggle? Well, it's because I had gotten used to already my husband doing those things. So again, I was like, you need to get it together, girl. You know, like, this is why I do those trips every year, because I need to, like, tap into myself and realize I'm strong. I can do these things. 
And so, yeah, it just, you know, teaches me that and, you know, reminds me of that every year when I do those trips. So that was probably the biggest tip I've taken for my, you know, for myself was that in 2011, I've continued ever since. Yeah, I've heard of quite a few people who say that they started with their own Eat, Pray, Love journey. Yeah. So that book really made such an impact on the lives of especially women, but of course, I'm sure men as well. Right. But that's so important to be able to take those solo trips, even if you are in a committed relationship yeah. or a marriage. I remember when I was first starting out dating my husband, but back then my boyfriend and saying to him that, you know, I, I'm booking a trip to Mexico. And he's right. like, oh, well, I can't go. I have work. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm going by myself. And yeah. he couldn't wrap his head around me saying that I want to go by myself. He's like, is there something wrong? Like, can yeah. I do something? I'm like, no, it's just, you know, not everyone gets it. Not everyone yeah. can travel by themselves or wants to be by themselves. But I was a solo traveler just like you for quite some time. And mm-hmm. there's just something so rejuvenating and empowering to just spend time. I had my own routine. I got to do my work and sit in the sun and go mm. to the stroll to the local markets. Like it's just a nice little break in routine and has and any, if anything, it builds the connection even more. You know, yes. you have stories to tell them and you miss them more and everything's yes. true. So there's nothing wrong in taking time to yourself and you can travel as that vessel. Absolutely. I come back feeling refreshed and rested. Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing better to me than just going into a city and, you know, I'm a beach person, but I'm also a city person. You know, I can do both, but I love just exploring. I can just walk all day, just popping into stores. Just, I mean, that's like the best thing to do. And for me to be able to do that and then come back, I feel like completely refreshed. Like, hey, you know, how are you? How's things going? Versus if I'm just dragging at home, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. If I go to New York City for a weekend by myself and then come back, I'm like a brand new person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to feel guilt for putting ourselves first. Yeah. You know, and the people that care about us will understand and everything. But I want to hear more about so you're a doctor, you're a pharmacist. I'm actually a um, physician. I'm a pediatrician. You're a physician. Yeah. So what took that? Sorry, I don't know if I read pharmacist in my oh, head or what. But there's many pharmacists in the travel coach network who became travel coaches. Oh, but as a physician, what was that journey between being a physician and then it took you to what you're doing now in culinary travel and the sophisticated life and your blogging and everything? Where was that connection? It was, it's like two completely different worlds. I will tell you that when I was in school, I didn't like anything like creative like that. I mean, I was like math, science, math, science, like put me up at the board and solve for X like calculus, algebra, you know, I was never, if somebody said like, write an essay and tell me what you thought of this, I'd be like, no, you know, all through college. I'm like, can you just give me a multiple choice exam? So I never really tapped into that part of my brain ever. And the same year that my mom passed away, I was living by myself in Florida and I kind of knew I was going to be moving. But at the time, I had always traveled. I'd always, you know, we grew up outside of New York. So my parents always exposed us to Broadway and culture and going to nice restaurants, going to local restaurants, things like that. And I didn't even know I was going to be blogging to as a word, but I decided to start like a website, like a webzine is what I called it with my friends, just kind of documenting and, you know, letting people know about like, we always went to food and wine festivals, you know, all over the country. And 
Broadway shows. And so I wanted to kind of have a place that people could go to know about these cultural events. And if we traveled, give tips on places. So it's supposed to be kind of like a group thing, but we know how that goes and people fall off. I have one friend who kind of did a couple articles, you know, over a couple of years, but really it kind of became my responsibility. And so when I moved to Atlanta in 2012, I met a few people and they were like, oh, you know, you're blogging. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know that's what I was doing. So really it came out of a time where I was lonely. I had more time on my hands after my mom had, a, you know, was sick for a while. So I've been taking care of her for a few years. And so, yeah, I just had that extra time. And like I said, I didn't know it was going to really turn into a blog of me writing a lot or taking lots of pictures. It was kind of going to just be a resource for people. And then I started getting a lot of feedback from professionals who, you know, three weeks to travel and go to places. And so I was writing a lot about my experiences, like, okay, I went to Paris for, I spent, you know, three days in Paris, three days in London. This is what you need to see, do, where you want to eat. And so those guys became really popular. You know, people were like, okay, good. I'm going to this place. Where should I go? What should I see? And people really responded to that. And the more they did, the more I wrote those kind of guides for people. And that's really how it took off. It was really like my travel guide that that led to the popularity of my blog. And I was covering a lot of things at first, like arts, culture, travel, food, you know, and I kind of had to narrow it down. And it became like travel, food, and wine were the things that I always do on every trip. I'm always eating, you know. I really got into wine. And so if there was any wineries nearby or, you know, winery estates, anything like that, I would do day trips to wineries. And so that became those three kind of meshed together. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. I really didn't know that I had any kind of creative bone in my body. <laughs> and it turns out, I guess I do. I'm shocked myself sometimes still. <laughs> Well, you'd be really surprised what parts of your brain are activated right. at different stages of your life or what could spark that. Could you yeah, right. When you're saying that you are the mathematical person and you like the multiple choice and you would stray from the essays, I'm the complete opposite. I've always been a creative and yeah. I've always done really well in school, but it was just because I have photographic memory because I cannot do well on a multiple choice. If you tell me choose this or that, I will always choose the wrong answer. So I don't know. It's just so everyone functions so differently. It's just so funny where your path takes you and all of that. But before we dive into talking about your culinary trip and your recent trip to Morocco, first I want to hear more about, as I read in the introduction, that you are one of the founding members and was on the board of the Black Travel Alliance. I find that really important. I've heard more and more about it. Can you share more about that? Sure. So in 2020, when the George Floyd murder, there's no other way to put it, occurred, you know, there was a lot of allegiance among bloggers, content creators, I would say. And, you know, there was, you know, like June 2nd, where everybody put like the black square off um, in terms of people in the travel industry, DMO, travel brands. And we were looking at it like, wait a minute, we've never noticed that travel brand or DMO working with any person of color <laughs> or even a lot of women. So why are they saying that they support, you know, black travel when we're not really aware of them in their advertising or at their conferences, having black speakers or anything like that. And so we met like 
you know, once a week, usually, you know, just trying to support each other and share ideas. And so when that happened, we wanted to kind of hold the travel industry accountable. And we thought we would have to be the ones to do that. And so there was about 18, 19 of us originally that came together to form the Black Travel Alliance. And the anniversary is coming up with Juneteenth. And so around that time, we, you know, made a plea on Instagram to say, okay, if you do stand with, you know, black travelers and black travel content creators, show us your data. What's your data? How many people have you sent to conferences? How did your ad? What's the makeup of your board, your staff? And we actually got results. Like some people actually sent it information or said, we don't really have that information, but we're going to work on it over the next year and then give that to you. And Martinique Lewis, who is still the president, she had like a black travel scorecard where she had different criteria and she would like score the different travel brands and DMOs based on those criteria. And so it was really kind of a wake up call, I think, for the industry that anybody was like really calling them out on, you know, you just can't throw things off Black History Month, Juneteenth to say, oh, look, you know, let's work with some content creators this month or this week and then disappear again. And act as if that, you know, you're really supportive of DEI initiatives. And so, so we were the founding members and then, you know, the numbers shrunk a lot, but a lot of us served for the two years, you know, the initial two years of the board. And we made a lot of progress in terms of getting opportunity. Our main focus is getting opportunities for black travel content creators, getting them to conferences, getting them scholarships. We were part of the MMGY study that showed spending power of black leisure travelers which I think has made a huge difference for travel brands to see, yeah, you're going to make money if you market to black travelers, you know, not lose money, you know. So that study has been quoted. I mean, every week I can read something and I see that that study is quoted. So it makes me really proud that we were a part of that. So, and it's still going, actually, I'm going to be on a call tomorrow where they're, again, because Juneteenth is coming up, that they're going to, you know, reveal some more data with the Black Travel, you know, scorecard. So it was great to be a part of that. I'm still a member. I'm just not on the, active on the board because I started Culinary Travels last year and it, you know, I wear a lot of hats and I tell people <laughs> that and there's a joke about being Jamaican there, you know, you have like nine jobs. And I said, you know, but being a night, I work, I'm a nighttime physician in a hospital here. I survived COVID, thank God, working in a hospital during that time and also being on Black Travel Alliance during that time and working on my blog and brand. And when I wanted to venture out last year and decided I really wanted to, once COVID was slowing down and I really wanted to try and start culinary travels, I said, there's no way I can keep all these balls. Uh, for me, that can't see me. I'm juggling balls here. <laughs> so. Yeah. But no, the work is really important and the work continues definitely in that regard. Yeah, it's a process. It's a journey, but I absolutely yeah. love that. We hear companies, I'm very well immersed in the business travel industry, the corporate travel industry. Mm. And so I'm always on, you know, whether it's their email list or LinkedIn and connections or the conferences and trade shows. I'm always there and I'm very well aware of what's happening. And DEI is one of the biggest topics. It's been a theme mm. in a lot of the events. But something that just always irks me is that I still find DEI alongside things like well-being and sustainability on <laughs> companies' checklists. Right. Yeah. No, did we put the messaging on our social media? Did we put the messaging on our website? Right. Did we? Yes. Do we say that we care about this in our company culture? Yes. But right. what are you actually doing about it? Mm. So there's so much more growth to be had in that space. 
And I really hope that Black and other types of travelers out there and business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, share your voice because you do have a voice and your business matters and your dollars matter and Mm -hmm. you as a person matter just like anyone else just does. But, you know, it takes that time and it takes that effort to do that. So I'm so glad to hear all about that. And thanks for sharing more about it. Um, Thank you for asking. And I can't believe that you are still a physician at night. Yes. <laughs> and have the time and energy to do all these other things. I completely understand, you know, your journey is just like mine as well, where it's like you have opportunities and you focus on it, but realistically, you can't do it all. You can't yes. continue to do it all. But it's all a learned lesson and it's all experience. Yes. But let's talk now about what when your main focuses are which is your culinary travels. You just came back from a trip in Morocco. Yeah. And tell us about that. How did it go? And what do you have moving forward? Oh, boy. Let me tell you, this has been like eight months in the making. So before COVID, I was actually approached by the tour company to start hosting trips. And of course, COVID happened. So I put that aside. But, you know, mostly it's because of my, you know, subscribers, social media followers, they've been asking me, when am I going to start hosting trips? Like people have requested that and they've wanted, oh, we want to travel with you. We love the way you travel. It seems like you always have fun. You enjoy the culture, things like that. And so when they first approached me, I thought, oh, you know what? This is something that would be great. Instead of just inspiring people to travel, actually taking them with me and showing them how I travel. You know, there is some people who, of course, there's people who will jump on a plane and go anywhere, Right. But then there's people who would prefer to have everything planned for them and they just pay their money, which there's a couple of my friends like that. But then there's also the people who are a little bit maybe anxious or have, you know, or just hesitant about going to certain places by themselves or without people that they feel confident, you know, leading them through that particular country or place or so forth. And I'm open to all of that. You know, because I have traveled so much that, you know, there's few places I can think of that I just would not go. And if somebody needs to kind of hold their hand and say, hey, come with me, then I'm willing to do that. Because if that changes their life, if that changes their worldview, then I'm all for it. And so when I decided to do Morocco first, that was kind of crazy to start with a 10 day trip to North Africa. (laughs) But I put it out there and people just went crazy. I mean, it sold out. Literally, it sold out like in 24 hours, but I posted 48 hours just because I was trying to get people that I sent the link to to just book it before I sent to it. So the wait list was long. People were like, when are you doing another one? So that was September. And so I've been working with everyone, the tour operator and my clients since then, just trying to also build community. So, you know, we've had a Facebook group. We've had virtual meetups. We've had a WhatsApp. So... Just so people get to kind of know each other before the actual trip. So when people arrived, they felt a little bit familiar with everyone. And it was a larger group than I had planned. But so there were 17 of us total. And everyone, thank goodness, just kind of, you know, went into it with the attitude. This was our, like one of the phrases people kept saying was go big or go home, you know, and just go all in. And everyone just kind of had that attitude. I mean, this is Morocco. This is the trip of a lifetime. We visited like five cities during the 10 days. So it was fast paced. 
but people did things that were like things they've never done before and things that they know they may not ever do again. You know, this was like real bucket list adventure. So, you know, it was really exciting, really rewarding. We went from Casablanca to Fez. We went to the Sahara. We went to Marrakesh. And, you know, in terms of the culinary travels part, we did, you know, walking through tours. I think I posted on my Facebook page two pictures where we're literally eating at like hole in the walls, like one in Fez and then the other one was like, this tiny room in someone's house, basically, that where we were eating. And we did a cooking class. We visited winery estates between, like, near where Fez is. I didn't know that Morocco even had vineyards before I started researching this trip. Moroccan wine is delicious. I mean, I had no idea. So people, we spent a half a day there at the winery, and people were blown away by that. So, you know, that's my goal with culinary travels is to just, you know, explore two little things they've never done, get them excited about local history and culture, and then infuse my love of food and wine and beverages and learn about like the culinary, you know, culinary history of that destination. And so I think I accomplished my goals, including hot air balloon rides and <laughs> you name it. It was there. It was there for a lot of people. It was their first mom. So people were saying, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing spa experience I've ever had. So yeah, it was more than I could have asked for for my first group trip. So yeah, yeah. Morocco is an incredible country and it's just so beautiful. And there's like, when I ask people who join the Travel Forge, our Facebook community, I always ask them when they join, why do you travel on a deeper, more personal level? And I collect mm-hmm. this information and some of the top answers I always get are to experience other cultures or learn about other cultures mm-hmm. and to try new food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, food is just something that we gravitate towards yeah. and is a, a motivation on why we travel. We want to see what else is out there in the world, mm-hmm. especially food outside of, you know, being in the States where, you know, I live is that, you know, our food isn't always the greatest here. Not saying yeah. that we don't have great food, we definitely do, yeah. but the quality sometimes the best. And you can mm-hmm. go to different places, different countries, and it's just a whole new experience yeah. with the food that we have. And that's, I know that's a big thing that's trending on TikTok, but Morocco itself, just there's so much to see and so yeah. much to do and so much adventure. So I can imagine that your 10 days, how many people went on that trip with you? So my husband was with me. So besides my husband and I, it was 15 people. 15. So wow. Yeah. That's a big tour, but I'm yeah. so glad that you guys had such a great time. And the Sahara Desert is stunning, isn't it? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures and videos now, like in disbelief that we were there. We did glamping one night, so we stayed overnight mm-hmm. there and it was just like our own private camp. And, you know, my friends laugh at me in Atlanta. My friends call me the mayor. One of my friends gave me that title, like when I first moved here, because I just love you know, this is my first like official group trip, but I'm the person in my friends and family that I'm always the one organizing everything, you know, mm-hmm. and I love to just put people together and network and I run a book club and, you know, I do all these things. So I always come up with these ideas. So I was like, okay, everybody bring something colorful, bring colorful dresses, bring colorful, even the men if you want to. And so we did our own photo shoot, you know, mm-hmm. with these beautiful, bright, colorful dresses. And, you know, I'm looking at these pictures like, were we really there? Did this really happen? You know? And so it's that kind of thing. And then we did like an all white photo shoot in Marrakesh. 
and I don't even have the official photos yet. I just have our iPhone photos and it's just so gorgeous, you know? Mm -hmm. So I told them, I said, you're going to be sick of me by the end of this trip, but it'll be worth it because you're going to look back at these pictures and videos and say, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. It <laughs> really sounds like a trip of a lifetime. Thank you. You have some upcoming trips. Share about those. Yes. So in October, we have Italy trip that is also kind of like a road trip going through Italy, starting in Milan going through the Piemonte area through to Venice and talk about food and wine that I think I'm going to have to lose weight just to go on the trip in anticipation of gaining weight. And so that's in Northern Italy. And it's again, about like nine days road trip through Northern Italy. Um, that's October 3rd to the 13th. And then in November, I'm doing river cruise with Emma Waterways. That's my first river cruise. I've never done a river cruise. But they have wine river cruises every so often. And this one is being hosted by a black wine maker that I know, a black woman wine maker. It's the first time they're having a black woman host a river cruise. And I know her. So her winery is Theopolis Vineyards in Northern California, Mendocino. And so she's bringing her wines on this river cruise. And it's going to be through Burgundy and Provence, mostly Burgundy for a week and so yeah I thought well if I'm going to start with the river cruise it sounds like the perfect one to get behind yeah. and I'm doing a wine tasting she's doing a wine tasting with you know with me on June 28th so that people kind of can get to know her and get to know her wines on June 28th so yeah that's another thing I'm doing I've been doing virtual wine tastings to match the regions I didn't do Morocco because it's hard to get Moroccan wines in the U.S. but we did Northern Italian wines. We did a virtual wine tasting for that. We're doing the wine with Theodora of Theopolis Vineyards. So yeah, matching kind of virtual wine tastings with the regions that I'm visiting. So yeah, so it's really been exciting to just launch it. And like I said, my mind is always going with new ideas. <laughs> and I'm already working on destinations. I sent out a survey and I'm already working on destinations for 2024 that people are interested in. On this last trip, people were already asking me, so can we do this destination next year? Can we do this? Like I'm already getting requests from the people who were on the trip as to where they want to go next year. So that's the best feedback I could get is that they, you know, the Morocco travelers were ready to take on to the next destination and travel with me again. So well, that's the best type of business growth, which is yes. recurring clients, recurring customers. Right. So that is proof of a great travel experience. Uh, I also did not know that. I don't think I knew that Morocco had wines. I worked uh -huh. for a really long time in the restaurant industry and served a lot of types of wine and learned about a lot of the wines. But I don't think I ever tried or heard about Moroccan wines. They sound amazing. Yeah, and since I've been mentioning it to people, they do have their own varietals, but most of the 75% are red wines. And so it's like Southern Rhone varietals. And I guess, you know, the French bought them in initially after the Roman period. But when the French bought in most of the varietals and then when they gained independence, they like plowed down, you know, most of the vineyards since you know, alcohol is banned there. But what's interesting is when we were getting a tour of the, the winery, they said, you know, 80% of the wine is consumed in Morocco. Only 10 to 20% yeah. is exported. So yeah. someone's drinking it in Morocco. 80% of it is being drunk in Morocco. So, yeah. but yeah, it was, the wine was great. I was surprised. It was really good. So. Wonderful. Yeah, I you mentioned earlier that 
you know, you were just sharing about your own travels. You were just posting on social media. What tips? Because a lot of our listeners for the Travel Coach Network podcast are travel coaches, travel Mm. business owners, and of course, travelers Mm. as well. So, and content creation can be overwhelming. It can be intimidating. Any tip that you can share that you find effective or that you really enjoy when it comes to being a content creator and, and growing your business? So, you know, when I started as a content creator, it was really all about blog. And so, you know, I miss those days. I love those days because I could write for days. You know, I remember when I was posting three blog posts a week. I don't even know now how I could even, I couldn't even attempt that now. But that was the way you really, you know, connected with your audience back then. And, you know, since I think Instagram and then TikTok, it's more like visualization. You know, people want things quick. They want things fast. They're willing to read a long caption versus clicking through to a blog post. So, you know, it really depends, I think, what type of content creator do you want to be? If you want to be a blogger and write those 2,000 word long form blog posts, you know, and you really are not into social media, you really have to know SEO. You know, you really, and this is not including AI because I have not, I don't, I haven't used that yet, but just traditionally, you really have to invest your time in SEO because people are going to find you by search. They're going to go to Google, they're going to go to Bing, they're going to type in best resorts in Mexico. And you want your website, your blog post to come up in the top, you know, search engines. So the only way that's going to happen is if you're good at SEO. And so, but I, I'm still pretty good at it, but, you know, and I will write a blog post and two days later, I will put in the search and see how far, where my blog post is on that page. So that's one thing. So that's, if you want to be that type of content creator, if you want to be on YouTube, you need to really learn again, YouTube is like an SEO engine at this point, how to be a YouTuber. If you're going to be Instagram, TikTok, you have to be comfortable in front of a camera, I would say at this point. You know, you have to really know how to connect with the audience visually and know how to create captions that are catchy, give the information that people want that they can read and find really useful in terms of, like you said, travel tips, you know, five best places for this, this is where you go for that, and really be niche specific. You know, there's so many travel, you know, content creators now. What are you offering that other people are not offering? I think that would be the big thing. You know, when I started also, there was a lot of lifestyle bloggers and that was okay. You were just writing and posting about your lifestyle. But now you have to be something, not even adventure, like what kind of adventure? Like you can't just be luxury, like what kind of luxury? You know, so be as niche specific as you, as you can and know that when people come to your page that they will find exactly what they expect. Like for me, I even started a new Instagram page for culinary travel. So that's even more specific to food and wine and food and wine events versus my sophisticated life, which is just kind of general travel. So like if I go to Hawaii and I did Rotahana, I'll post that there. But on culinary travels, you're not going to see Rotahana, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. kind of compartmentalizing. Yeah. So you're not confusing your audience. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the best advice that makes that all makes total sense and i know that's going to be really super helpful for a lot of listeners here as we come up towards the end here i always like to ask my favorite question and dr white you have done so much in your life already (laughs) you have so many experiences you have so many skills and so many interests and talents 
What is, is there a fun fact about yourself that you can share that doesn't have to be travel or business related, but of course it can be? Well, you know, one thing that I will share that I think also has inspired people is that I have a fear of flying and people are shocked to hear. So do I. <laughs> are you, are you kidding? No, I literally have severe anxiety around flying. I hate it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, see, I, I mean, when I tell people that they're like, no way, no way. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting worse too. For me, it's getting worse. I look at my backpacking self back in the days and I'm like, I don't, who was that girl and how was she not worried at the time yeah. as much as I am now? Like, um, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, for me, it's gotten better except if something happens. Like if there's something in the news, you know, then oh, that's I'm- the thing. For me, that's the thing. Like I try so hard to eliminate any noise of anything bad I hear because yes. it will stick in my brain yes. and I'm going to think the plane is going down. Yes. So, and like now I just sit in the plane and I'm like, how are we in this big metal vessel flying right. to the sky as fast as a rocket ship and we're okay? Like, Did anything know. cause yours or was it just? No, it just, it just didn't. Happened. It really just was mm. gradual over time. And I think it was yeah. just more and more stuff in the news for me that obviously driving is a lot more dangerous they say but someone is a statistic yeah, out there that means um, nothing i hate when people say, and as a physician yeah. i'm very aware of anxiety phobia panic attacks mm-hmm. i hate when people say things like that like driving yeah. is, that doesn't help anyone who has right. you know a fear of phobia it does right. not help yeah, I don't know. Um, what did yours come from? So, you know, uh, yeah, mine was a particular incident with a really bad flight. Um, mm-hmm. and it happened a week before I was going to graduate from medical school, believe it or not. And so I was like, please, God, just let me graduate medical school after all this hard work and I will yeah. never need to fly again. And then I didn't fly for two years, actually. And then mm-hmm. after that, I was taking the train, the train, Amtrak. I was in New Jersey, Northern Virginia, and I was taking the train to Florida to visit family. And then after two years of that, I was like, I've got to find a way. And it was just gradual. It was, you know, going to therapy, then trying like Benadryl, you know, trying breathing. Honestly, then I just started, my primary gave me Xanax to take, you know, if I started to feel like, pan, you know, like a panic attack. And after a while, it just built up where I was able to not take anything. The longer the flight then I may get more anxious or if there's turbulence. If I'm on a flight and it's fine, I'm fine. Right. A lot of turbulence and I do get nervous. That's the same with me. Yeah. But overall, it's gotten better. You know, like I took with Morocco, with those flights, I didn't take anything. I was fine. Um, There was very smooth flights. If I'm by myself, I'm a little bit more nervous than if I'm with somebody else, you know, so it's that kind of... Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So, but I say that to let people know, like, there's always a way, you know, like, if you really want to travel and what's stopping you, you know, is that you don't like to fly or for fear of flying, go and see your doctor, talk to them. There's ways I remember buying books, you know, Mm -hmm. and going through books about flying and phobias and things like that. And so there's just always a way. And I don't want people to feel like they'll never see, you know, the Eiffel Tower because they can't go. Because they have a fear of flying. There's, there's right. always, if I can get to yeah. New Zealand and I've been there and to Thailand, if I can get to those places and right. I know that I didn't even fly for two years, then so can you. So yeah, no, there's just so much. I'm now a lot more comfortable. And also I travel more with my husband just because when I travel, I like to have experiences with him. 
Right. Um, so that always brings me a lot more comfort now. But yeah, when I'm with someone, it makes it a lot easier as well. But yeah, I mean, I've traveled over 84 countries and I mean, I've been on countless hours of flights, but you know, we all go through different phases in life too. I'm also in the States because I, I just flew a couple months ago to Palm Springs Ooh. for a business trip and had pretty high anxiety, but I'm pregnant. So I'm like, all these thoughts are oh, I'm yeah. like, is it just the hormones? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's a very common thing. I've heard many people who have, of course, phobia flying is a thing. Sure. So yeah, you can definitely create your travel experiences and cope with and work through and find a system that works best for you too and also take advantage of the other types of travel sure. experiences too there's a lot of ground travel as well but absolutely dr white thank you so much for being with us how can everyone learn more about you find and follow yeah. you and hear about your upcoming trips yes absolutely so my blog it's very easy the sophisticatedlife.com so that's my website and culinary travel is a tab there so just click on that and it'll Stay updated with my trips coming up. And then on Instagram, it's the Sophist Life at, well, yeah, this at the Sophist Life on Instagram and Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's the Sophisticated Life. Perfect. We'll, of course, put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us on the TCN podcast. It was a joy to have you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Everyone, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Palm Coach Network. Learn more at the Network.com. Come give us a hello. We look forward to having you in our TCN Global Community on Facebook. You can find the links for that and our Beginner's Guide to Travel Coaching in the show notes, along with all of Dr. Nadine White's links as well. And if you know anyone who might be interested in travel coaching, please be sure to send them our way to our podcast. We truly appreciate it. And until next time, my fellow wanderers, bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Travel Coach Network podcast. If you're brand new to the world of travel coaching, you must grab our free beginner's guide to travel coaching in the show notes. Then come share your takeaway from this episode in the Travel Coach Network global community. It's our free Facebook group for aspiring and thriving travel coaches. See you there.